0: Today's episode is sponsored by 5E Leadership and Marketing. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. hola hola we are leaving the dog days of summer mi gente and those are the hottest days of the year as we begin our turn towards the fall and winter season this also begins the closing of our season three podcasting series here at latinas from the block to the boardroom this season we have been faced with so many political challenges that will require us to support and activate our local leaders and really speak with our community dollars that can mean boycotts and also supporting those that are getting the vote out for this midterm in this election year the influence at the top in the united states begins at the ground level within our communities especially for people of color and the lgbtq community across this great nation. This November will be a big midterm voting turnout, and we cannot stay idle. Keep your eye on the prize. That's a famous quote and saying from the years of segregation in the 1950s into the civil rights movement, as well as Si Se Puede, which the farm workers march to Sacramento is happening at this very moment. As we move into season four and our third year of podcasting here at Latinas from the block to the boardroom, we look forward to bringing you the voices that will be the future champions of our community and build a bigger bridge for us from the block and into the boardroom. Gracias. Today, we're going to hear from Cece Rojas, the first national board chair and Latina in the history of the 177-year-old nonprofit, the YMCA. We will learn how sports gave Cece the focus as a youth and how it helped her work within the community to build resources and to help her make connections through businesses. As a mother of four children, she understood how special. Spanish leveraged her power to build alliances that engaged community and create a vision for her to create a sports media company, Tico Productions LLC, which is a multilingual full-service marketing agency in Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you, Cece, for breaking the 177-year-old ceiling that is leading into the boardroom for the rest of us into the YMCA. Let's get to it. You talk about your business and your association with the healthcare folks in the community. It seems like everyone rallied around that and that really built you up to kind of bring a lot of information forward. Can you share with us about how that involvement with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce there in Kansas City and also how that developed into your pathway, into the organization, into your board role at the YMCA? Yeah.
1: You know, early on in, in my career, I, I found myself, I have a I had a very zigzaggy career. There was not any straight up or it was an obstacle course. So early on, you know, my career was after I graduated from college, it was, a, you know, rocky path to even get that done. I was a single parent with three kids, four actually. And, uh... You know, later on, with single parent with four four children, but I started selling cars after a, a six year, almost six year journey to complete a four year liberal arts degree, which really didn't amount to much when I was actually out there trying to find a job. And so I went to selling cars, and I found myself to to be pretty darn good at it. And I was the only female, the only minority back then on the sales floor, and I you know was able to achieve some. Pretty good success. And I think the most important part, though, was that I had an owner at the time that saw the value of the Latinos that were coming to me to buy. their mm-hmm. buying cars. And then, you know, and, and not only were they buying, but they would bring their whole family. Right. As you know, we kind of like travel in a pack. They would bring their dias and dias right. and cousins and what have you with them to, on the lot, on the, sh- on the, on the lot to look at vehicles. And because they trusted me, you know, I would you know, treat him fairly give him, you know, and help him out. And then before you know it, you know, everybody that came with them, they two months later, they would come and they, they would each, you know, they were all buying cars. And my owner said, look, I'm going to give you a budget because I know that this this was like way before what we're seeing now, the power of our market, the right. sleeping giant, the yes. Jusami, right? Yes. Just before that. But he was smart. He goes, you know, I'm going to give you a small budget. I want you to go in the community and I want you to make, make a bigger impact. yes Get us involved in events. We'll sponsor some things. We'll get you involved in any X Y Z. So sure enough, that led that led to you know sponsoring some events, and I found myself on the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce board of directors, and then awesome. some other boards, and that that really set me down a different path. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, I found myself as the CEO of the Hispanic Chamber wow. in in Kansas City, which was. Uh, you know, it was a very small chamber at the time. Now it's a very big chamber right. here in our city. But back then, it was you know, it was um, just needed some TLC and needed needed salesperson. You know, to go out and somebody that could sell and and bring new partners to the table, corporate partners to the table. So that then literally, that my career just took a totally different path, and I started serving on lots of boards. And that was the other lesson I learned. You know, it's it, you know, it's many times people of color, especially we tend to stay in our lane. Mm. We, we serve on the Hispanic serving boards, whatever. We don't venture outside of that. And when I ventured outside of that and I started serving on the general market boards, then my career path and my civic path just opened up. Wow. And I found myself serving on many major boards. And mm-hmm. um, so that just led to me down the current path that I'm on now, but you know, it led me to, uh, other career moves, um, for a large, well, the largest healthcare system here in in the city, the public safety net as a vice president. And that was how I got back engaged with the Y. And it led to a, a board seat representing the hospital system. And then that led to, you know, serving on the executive board and then raising my hand and taking on some other leadership roles. And then I found myself being elected to the national board of the YMCA. And then eventually now uh, now I'm chairman, but I also, along that pathway, I was elected board member for the World Council of the YMCA. So I serve at the local, the national, and then the international level.
0: Amazing. And you know, you are the first Latina in the 177 years of that organization. So literally, you have broken a ceiling within a very old organization. And I think you should really... I know you are. You're very proud of that. And just hearing your story is really amazing. I think what I'm hearing and for our audience to understand too, is that it's the power of yes and opportunity making those strides. And like you said, we like to stay in our own lane because it seems comfortable or maybe it's the way we should do it because everybody else has done it to a little bit. But no, when you step outside the comfort zone, which you've done but also you were a single mom. I mean, you had to do what you needed to do. And this opened up many opportunities for you.
1: Right. Which you said, I, I usually, you know, when I talk to young people, and, you know, you say yes then more than no. That's the secret sauce. You say yes mm-hmm. more than no. And you'd be surprised at how willing people are to give you an opportunity to take on a leadership role if they know that your heart and mind is open to taking on some responsibility mm-hmm. outside of your eight to five, outside of your day job. And they recognize that and they equally want, you know, it's, it's a two way street. You mm-hmm. know, yes, we want people to take notice of us, we want people to reach out and ask, but we have a, an equal responsibility to raise our hand and say, I'm here, I'm willing. And I, I use sports analogies, just put me in coach, give me the ball, mm-hmm. I'll score. And I think that there's so many young up-and-comers, not even young up-and-comers. I mean, I meet people now that impress me that maybe they're, they are take it at early retirement. They're finding themselves at loose ends. They want an encore. Mm-hmm. And some of that, you know, a good way to have a great encore is to get involved in the community in a way that you've never gotten involved before. Exactly. And make a big difference.
0: Yeah. Again, there's opportunity of just saying Yes but I want to talk about mentorship and you know you've been in sports and the coaching aspect there's mentorship and coaching a lot of people in business say I need a mentor to get into that leadership role what would you say to folks
1: like that yes there's a third rung it's called sponsorship oh awesome so the mentoring and coaching I think are sort of the same I think mentoring it's when you, you know, you go outside a little bit of, your, you know, who you are, and what you do and you find someone that maybe has, a, has had a similar path. And it's very functional. Mm-hmm. It's tactical. They are giving you some practical advice on how you can get from A to Z or navigate from A to B, whatever that looks like. And it looks the same whether you're in a day job and you're trying to get to that next level in your day job, that promotion or what have you. And it looks the same if you're trying to uh, navigate even externally. But, you know, civic work mm-hmm. looks similar. Coaching is a little different in that, you know, it's someone who is literally, it's beyond functional. They're, they're giving you some additional expertise. They're giving you that informal, both the formal and informal navigation points. Sponsorship, it's the the top rung of, mm-hmm. of that kind of a relationship. Now, mentors aren't necessarily sponsors. Mm. You know, Sponsors are the people that are going to advocate for you in a room that you're not in. They talk about you and they amplify you and what you can do when you're not around. And they open doors for you. They put their credibility on the line for you. That's a sponsor. And it's important to find those sponsors. And what I've learned along the way, is even with mentors, they don't always look like you. They probably mm-hmm. don't look like you majority of the time, but the important part is to know how to recognize them when they're in front of you or you admire someone, you ask them you know, how you can engage with them. So I just think that you have to look beyond your immediate sphere to find those folks. And, you know, I've had a lot of mentors, sponsors along the way. Some of them look like me, or they were Latinos. Many of them are not, though. Mm -hmm. Because as we come into these roles, we have a responsibility to be the mentor, the coach, and the sponsor. And as I get on these boards, that's what I always do. I always make sure that I have, I've got people in the pipeline that are going to come behind me, and not just one, but two or three.
0: Yep, that's an excellent segue because I do want to talk about pipeline and equity into boards because now that you are in that leadership role to a global organization, big national organization as a Latina and you're in a governance, an executive board position, I would say, right? What is the procedure or standards that boards can do or suggest that they have to keep that pipeline going because in a board, people are terming out of their role on the board. So you have to have other people come in and fill those boards that fit a criteria and standards to the organization. How are you doing that? Or how is that something you're looking at in this new leadership role for yourself?
1: So I, I think for me, it's very simple. It's business case. You know, Mm -hmm. we're the fastest Latinos and people of color, the fastest growing segment. I don't care what metric you look at. There's only positive metrics, especially especially as it relates to Latinos. We're the fastest growing segment of college grads. We're the fastest fastest growing segment of entrepreneurs. You pick it. There's no negative metric. Our families are bigger. We consume more groceries on average per week, on average. Whether it's a corporation looking at how they're going to grow their bottom line, or whether it's a nonprofit looking, on, looking at how they are going to uh, look different from a donor base, from a, a membership base, from a workforce base, you know, who's going to work for you, you know, in 10 mm-hmm. years. It's simply that you need to have the people at, the, at your board on those decision-making uh, positions, especially boards, if it's a nonprofit, not these large nonprofits. This is a business imperative. So, mm-hmm. yes, it's the right thing to do. But beyond that, where do you want to be in 5, 10 years? Because if you don't understand this demographic, if, you do, if you're not managing to how you're going to increase this representation, you're going to be irrelevant in 5 to 10 right. years. And uh, I think that's that. So I, I always bring that. I start with that lens typically. And it's, it's just you have, you have to think about it you know, differently. It's, we're no different than Target or some of these other corporations, and you see Spanish ads now in Good Morning America. It's it's a business imperative. And so right. that's, the way I, that's the way I typically approach it.
0: Yeah, the board discussion right now is, is a pretty hot topic, especially with all the social unrest and COVID that has happened. Mm-hmm. They wanna see the bottom line change and they know they have a corporate responsibility now to communities, especially after the census has just come out and you do right. see the large growth of populations in these areas i mean it goes into the government organizations of voting as well so i mean it's pretty big and i'm glad to have you talk about that now one of the things i wanted to bring up here is when we talk about you and your entrepreneurial journey and how you're on this board and you're bringing the equity lens in as a board member how do you see that purveying or how is that going out into the community for community sports and Justice because there's a lot of communities that don't really have a lot of programs out there and the why may be far away or how do you reach out to them I mean what's I'd like to hear a little bit about that in, as you move into this role with the organization
1: well you know once again I, I'm a governance leader so I we've got a paid CEO who's an excellent uh, leader the Y has one of the most impactful, diversity, equity, inclusion, but it's actually mm-hmm. for us, it's international diversity, equity, and inclusion. So it's such a well-run leadership group, highly sought after because of our work in this space. That being said, from a governance perspective, I know that there are things that we can do from our lane. And one of them is greater diversity on local YMCA boards. Mm-hmm. That's one starting point. And you know, I have some ideas about that. We've already been exploring them. How do we partner with other national Diverse organizations that have local chapters where you have, like, for example, the Hispanic Chambers of Commerce, the Black Chambers of Commerce, Asian, whatever, whatever you mm-hmm. pick at Q. there are natural leaders, business owners, executives on those boards that should be on our list at these local levels of potential leaders. So, I mean, how do we make just some of those kind of uh, those lower-hanging fruit uh, kind of opportunities? Mm-hmm. The other is um, national sports partnerships. I also serve on the board of USA Volleyball, the national USA Volleyball. Mm-hmm. And that's just one example of other national partnerships that we could look at that would uh, strengthen. Because it's all, it's all local. You know, we have to strengthen these local-wise and, and mm-hmm. help uh, affect what they can do and how they can make an impact in their local markets. So I think that those are just a couple of examples of some work that I hope to get done. Our national board is very diverse.
0: Mm-hmm. We have a
1: good diversity uh, on our board, of not, not just in ethnicity and race, but also in terms of, 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 of geography, youth, age, industry, and just good leaders, and it's very evident in, in our national board. of So that needs to be emulated on the lo- at the local levels.
0: So as we talk about your journey into the the board and how you got there through your sponsorship, your entrepreneurial and just saying yes. I think that's the one thing people have to understand is saying yes to an opportunity and then also finding those folks that will support and sponsor you. Make yourself big in the room and you know, the advocacy will be there. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about, because you have your own business, Dico. Mm-hmm. if we could talk a little bit about that and how you do your production company in Espanol for the Kansas City Chiefs. So in your broadcasting for the, the national organization there in Kansas City, do you feel that that is bringing a lot of awareness specifically to that organization that Latinos are a big presence that need to be recognized? As you were talking about earlier about how big we are in our buying power and our now media power, which is growing. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and how that, you know, comes into play here.
1: Right. So we have a yeah, we have a multicultural uh, marketing company and we've been around for about 10 years now. And we we do we we produce any number of productions, video, graphic design, animation, all that stuff. So we do it in two languages but we also developed the third-party Spanish-language sports broadcasting platform in 2016, and we do we produce Spanish-language broadcasts. looks just like the general market broadcast on Spanish, now four NFL teams, including the Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Baltimore Ravens. We also work with awesome. several yeah, commu- uh, college teams, including the Cornhuskers, KU, Jayhawks, and uh, we've done some MLB. We've worked with the Royals, Kansas City Royals. We've worked uh, hockey. We've worked with the San Jose Sharks. So we have a, a a good, tried and true sports vertical that we've been perfecting over these years. But absolutely yes. So the NFL, for example, the Latino market is something that they absolutely they know that they have to understand, and they're making lots of great effort. You know, there's marketing rights now in, in Mexico for some of the teams mm-hmm. um, and beyond. Not just that sport, but any sport. The, the metrics for Latinos in sports are incredible, the growth opportunity. It's not just soccer for us right. anymore. It's, it's right. football, it's boxing, it's racing. If you know, looked at the IRL was in Miami like a month ago, and every major Latinos, a lot of the famous actors and pop stars, whatever they were, I mean, they were there. It's they love, we love sports and yeah, it's of course it's an economic thing.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they're just getting privy to that and I, I think that they know the power of that in the media because it all relates back to advertising. And I don't know, maybe when J-Lo and Shakira were, you know, yeah. in the, the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl maybe yeah. that's when the eyes opened and said, oh, hey, maybe this is where we need to expand yeah. a little bit more.
1: <laughs> and, you know, and I think it's also relevant is like, for example, in the case of football, it's not just a viewership thing, but it's who's going to be playing the game. Yeah. You know, our kids are the fastest growing Latino kids are the fastest growing segment of, of kids entering grade school. Well, right. they're the future football players are the future basketball players. I mean, there's it's just it's a numbers game.
0: Yeah, it's a growing segment for sure. And, you know, just because we're on that topic of media and the Latino market, you know, technology comes into that. And so what I like to talk about is the sports and technology, because A lot of college grads have communications degrees, liberal arts degrees, you know, degrees that they don't think can be transferable to, I want to say, technology space in general. But now all those skills are transferable, in my opinion. I'd like to get your take on that, especially for this growing Latino market.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, our company, we're multimedia, we're, you know, production, broadcasting, but it's all rooted in technology. Mm-hmm. It's all rooted in technology, and we hire, we do, we have a lot of interns that come to us with mass communications, what have you. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, we talk to even the young kids that maybe had thought that they might want a career in sports on the playing field. And we tell them, yeah, it may not be on the playing field, but there are many other opportunities in sports that are, have a technology base that, you know, that you, you could be an excellent contributor Anything from, you know, because we have the app that we have to program, you know, everything that we do, once again, is how we deliver the sport. We might have broadcasters that are incredibly talented, but they have to understand how to use the technology from every nuance, whether it's projecting themselves and amplifying themselves on social media whether it's you know mm-hmm. learning the specific details of them uh, on the recording and uh, the mm-hmm. broadcast of the, the actual broadcasting of the sh- of the of the stream, all the back end work that has to happen to be able to distribute the stream, and interact with all these different partners to be able to get the feed where it needs to go, it's all rooted in technology.
0: Oh yeah, so I mean we've said this in previous podcasts that if you feel that you don't have the technical aptitude for this you're absolutely wrong you can take one course or you can get certified for free through google you know to pick up a skill and take that degree and transfer the skills with that little tech certification because you cannot go through any job now without learning any kind of basic technology function so sports is a big arena it's growing. We're all on the mobile apps now watching it for days. So I think it's a great opportunity for folks. And I think with your business over the last 10 years, I mean, you've probably seen it grow exponentially. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, for example, now, you know, they're streaming. The NFL, just take that sport. They're streaming on Amazon on Thursday nights. I mean, they're, they're just, that wasn't the thing five years ago even. And the way they're constantly having to redefine to how they distribute the internet, you know, the internet broadcasting rights. And we're, every year it looks, we might have, even though we have something that's, you know, in our contract for several years, every year it seems like that that gets pulled out and we have to, we have to constantly relook at that and revisit it with the teams because technology mm-hmm. is changing so quick. You know, take betting. You know, all these states are passing betting laws, which has huge implication for sports as an economic driver. Well, we got to be ready because that, that's a big uh, economic driver, once again, of sports. So, mm-hmm. you know, how is that going to play in to whether it's an advertiser, it's media delivery, you know, podcast, what we're doing here. You know, I mean, there's so many implications. And it, because it's changing so quickly, you have to just at least maintain a basic knowledge level of technology. And mm-hmm. most, of these, most young people are. But if you have to retool for a career, I would start with that.
0: Yep, absolutely. And as we were saying before, the power of yes Just say yes to learning a new skill in that arena. And if you love the sport, if you love tech, I mean, that's a marriage made instantaneously. (laughs) And that brings us to circle back to the why and their technology outreach through the interwebs and bringing it all back to diversity. The pipeline builds in that with an equity lens. Where do you see that with the YMCA today and involving more technology, you know, bringing more leadership into the organization.
1: Yeah, so the Y's are different than any other industries. We retooled, too, during the pandemic. We had to, I mean, many Y's found themselves becoming and doing many more things in the community because there people couldn't work out the gyms. So we became right. food dispensaries. We became, mm. you know, a childcare for essential child workers. We also, you know, had to take programming online and make sure that we had resources that are available for people both and we, in many, in many cases, our technology centers that we had small ones became much larger during the right. pandemic, so people could have opportunities to access needed resources with lots of other uh, essential places, you know, uh, amenities being closed. And that has carried over into, you know, post, post-pandemic post and recovery mm-hmm. and continuing to use technology as a way to con- educate, inform, train. So now, you know, many of mm-hmm. the things that we would gather for in person, we've been able to, you know, use online platforms to be able to d- at least deliver some yeah, it's it's not necessarily going to replace the in-person interaction, but there can be some right. great training that can happen, you know, virtually. We're no different than um, many other organizations that have had to pivot. And it did open up more opportunities for us to engage, especially with the, the lens toward our, multi- our multicultural um, the DEI work. And I just met with the cohort of leaders of color, and it's a very competitive process, that young leaders in the Y go through not even young just leaders in the Y that have potential to be to get into the higher leadership pipeline, and um, it was in person, but it and it was a great you know very uh, enthusiastic future leadership for the Y. But some of that program is is now is delivered virtually, even though we they, we were in person for some of that, but many much of it is some of it is delivered virtually, so it's just given us many more opportunities.
0: Right. And so in a previous podcast, you know, I talked to a very young gentleman who was talking about the power of technology and how they are really the owners of it and how they use it and the way it can be transformed. And I think if we have and we see the capabilities in these younger folks to bring on to a leadership role or even if they have, you know, a sponsorship into learning the board that just changes everything, in my opinion. It's quite amazing. But again, we're building that bridge, Cece. I believe you and I, and and uh, through the youth organization, through the YMCA, building the bridge of knowledge. Right? That you're extending out for services, organizational, uh, community outreach, and building leaders through the YMCA. Right? Yes. So I just want to end on that a little bit, and. I wanted to just ask you, is there anything else that we should understand about the YMC or your leadership role? I know that you're the first Latina that, again, in 177 years of that organization, which is, you know, it's impressive and you're breaking the ceiling. What would you like to leave us with on that note? Because um, I'm very excited for you. I know. I (laughs) I think
1: that. You know, for me, it's been, a, it's been a journey of love. I mean, I love the Y. I've been involved with it for, for many years, beginning when I was a young girl, and I learned how to play volleyball there. I think what I've said um, in the past is that many people, you know, most, most people I talk to all have a Y story, whether it's, you know, they learn to swim there, their kids learn to swim at the Y. They've, you know, played, played a sport. They've been there for a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout uh, meetings. The Y has been a convener, and it will continue to be a community convener going forward. In addition to offering all the other things that we do, but I feel just really good about the Why, where we're at now, where we're going. Uh, I I hope to raise awareness for the fact that we, you know, we've got we do have a very good a diverse national board. We want to be that leader. And DEI, and you know, we want to be held as a a leader, as an example of an organization that's gotten it right and can can continue to improve in this area. And I want to make sure that we diversify our local boards, and they look more like the communities Mm -hmm. that we serve. So I I think that those are some things that you know, I have some goals. Obviously, I'd like to accomplish, but I think at a high level, that's those are the things that tend to be pretty important.
0: That's wonderful. I love that. It's okay to fail. And I love the story of you telling me that um, you were in car sales at the beginning for six years as a single mother. And that's where it all started. That was amazing. Yes,
1: I did. And, you know, that handed me so many lessons. One only female, one you know, uh, only person of color on, this, on the team. But I learned so much from that experience just because that experience teaches you you have to try to create a relationship with someone in just the span of a few minutes. And if you think Mm -hmm. about your life, when you go on, you know, when you go and try to buy, you know, a vehicle and walk on a, you know, the car dealership of showroom floor, you're greeted by someone and you're going to form an opinion about them right away early on. And so you only have (laughs) a few minutes to to manufacture a relationship. And so, I mean, I learned early on, I mean, I to literally have such an have an open mind and see everybody as um, they have a story, they have a personal story. And how you get to a point where you can, you know, get to know someone and, you know, pretty quickly and build a relationship. But, you know, I also learned, you know, how to, how to speak to a farmer that wanted to buy a truck, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a dually or a, you know extended cab to somebody that wanted to buy, you know, a Lincoln. You know, he was a CEO and like a little everybody in between. And I just, that taught me a lot. And, it's, and, I, and I tried and I keep that perspective, too today, you know, in my business and everybody I talk to and interact with, to my my civic work, to my board leadership work. And, you know, everybody has a story and I think they all should be valued.
0: Absolutely. Multifaceted is maybe a a word that, uh, you know, we, we try to be multifaceted so we can communicate and open the doors for ourselves. So this was a wonderful conversation, Cece. I love your story. And your new role at the board of the YMCA, the global and national board, the recognition you have, and for also discussing with us the opportunities in media, sports media for Latinos and the huge opportunity there. So, I mean, that's that's just wonderful. Is there anything else or how can we find you? Where can we keep in touch with you? That would be amazing. Sure,
1: absolutely. So you can you can find me at my company. It's Tico Productions uh, and Tico Sports are located in Kansas City. Our website is www.ticoproductions.com. You can catch us on any of our uh, Spanish language broadcasts. It's pretty easy to Google. Just, you know, cheese en español, ra- uh, uh, ravens en español, eagles, or the jaguars. And you can you can hear our broadcast. We hope to have another announcement or two for another couple teams that we're actively in uh, talks with right now. So
0: and Facebook and what about your social handle? Yeah,
1: so my social handle I have a couple of them. One is uh, CC and KC is my Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. Facebook it's just CC Rojas. You, can, you know you can follow me there. And uh, of course the Y. I do have a YMCA uh, board chair email address that is on the website. So. If you have any questions about the why, happy to try to uh, answer or direct you to the, re- the best person that can help you. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. So it's just, it's, it's Cece Rojas on LinkedIn.
0: Thank you, Cece, for joining us today on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. She broke the ceiling of one hundred seventy-seven years, being the first Latina in a nonprofit organization as the national board chair. That's amazing. If you'd like to learn more about CC and her Tico Productions and Tico Sports Broadcasting and Multilingual Agency, you can find her on LinkedIn at CC. That's C I C I Rojas R O J A S in LinkedIn, and also at ymca.org and look for their national board chair webpage. As we close out this season three, we want to thank you so much for sharing our podcast, supporting our newsletter, and reaching out to us for partnerships and advertising. This podcast really does take the support of the community and your active support to share this podcast to keep this platform going so that we can bring you the voices and champions of tomorrow. Here we come season four. And again, we're gonna bring you the champions and voices of tomorrow that will really inspire us and also to create the businesses that we wanna bring to community. So stay tuned for season four. This podcast was produced by Teresa E. Gonzalez of Latinas B2B.marketing and audio engineered and sound designed by Robert Lopez. Gracias, mi gente.